Okay, and so we're back. So what's up? Again. Oh, not much. Just hanging out. Bored. Nothing to do. Staying inside. The whole shebang. Yeah. <laughs> it's been pretty hot. And... Yeah, pretty hot and gross. Not being able to get out until it's like late at night and, you know. Yeah. Deal with children outside. Sticky, sweaty, <laughs> messy children. <laughs> but yeah, what's up with you? Oh, not much. Just working. Yeah. Yeah. Staying inside. Yeah. Quarantine's getting kind of boring. We're in the boring phase of it. Yeah. Nothing to do. Nothing to do. Not even schoolwork. Not even schoolwork now. Nothing to do. So we just chill at home. Yeah. Just hang sounds out. Like fun. Do research and, you know, man, boring, boring time. <laughs> boring. Very boring. But. But what isn't yeah. boring yes, is this what, episode that we that's have right. coming today. Yes. Not going to be boring. Very exciting stuff we got for you. So, speaking of exciting, you have a very exciting murder for us. I do have a very exciting, very, very weird, weird thing. This doesn't happen hardly ever, I don't think, in all instances. I'm going to go ahead and jump on into it. We are going to talk about a man named, I, I'm going to butcher it, and I'm very sorry, uh, it's Japanese, Isai... Sagawa, I believe, is how you would pronounce his name. Isai Sagawa. It's better than um, I can do. Yes. Yeah, so. <laughs> um, he was born in 1949. He's about 71-ish years old. He is a writer. He is, you know, from everything that I've read, like, yeah, decent, decently, you know, well-known writer. Um, mm -hmm. He got a PhD in literature in Paris. Oh, okay. Um, he's a very smart person. He just has this one little weird thing about him, which is he wants to eat people. Oh, um, <laughs> just, just just one little one weird little thing. One little weird hiccup he has in his little personality is that he really he really wanted to eat people. Okay, um, wow. Yeah, he said that the first time he ever decided he wanted to eat somebody or take a bite of somebody was in the first grade. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, he, he dealt with it for a really long time, like, from the first grade. Like, the first time that he ever acted out on any sort of criminal activity, any sort of anything, he was 24 years old. So, he had dealt with it, like, his whole life. So, from the time he was about, what, six years old? Five, six, yeah, six years old. He wanted to, yeah, to eat, eat people. Or, or bite somebody, know what it would be like to taste flesh, yes. But he didn't act out on he it until he was anything. 24. Yes, he didn't do anything like that, you know, as far as, you know, assaulting or hurting or anything to anybody until he was 24 years old. Well, that's old. a long time to hold back on something like that, but yeah. wow. yeah. And so he not, I mean, he was a cannibal. He had these cannibalistic yearnings. He had never tried it. He also had this weird fetish for taller women. Okay. It was a, it was a thing. He had a very specific fetish for taller women. Uh, when he was 24 uh, in Tokyo, he had broke into a woman's apartment while she was sleeping with the intent to, like, slice off part of her butt. And like run away with it, yeah. Like it's funny. No, it's totally, your butt. Yeah, cheek. it's totally, it's totally funny. 
But that's what he wanted to do. He just thought maybe he would go in while she was sleeping and slice off part of her butt and sneak away with it. And um, nobody would catch him and it really wouldn't be that big of a deal because it was just part of her butt. <laughs> so that wouldn't um, be too funny for me. I mean, yeah. I guess it's funny now looking at it, but... I mean, it's it's assault. It, it is assault. Like, he was planning an assault. Although, I don't know. Maybe uh, if he took both of my butt cheeks, okay? Yeah, they, don't just take <laughs> part of one. Do a good job <laughs> make and make it lop even. Slide it. Yeah, make it even. So, uh, he broke into her apartment and was intent on slicing off a part of her butt. She woke up. Surprise, surprise. Uh-huh. Um, and pushed him down to the ground. Uh, called the police. The police captured him. Uh, he was charged with attempted rape, but he didn't tell anybody of his real true intentions, which were to cut off part of this lady's butt and run away with it. Um, so we're going to flash forward. Oh, wow. <laughs> so gonna... he would rather get in trouble for rape yeah. than for, I just wanted to just eat wanted a piece, to of, eat your a piece butt. of butt. I just wanted to eat a piece of butt. So we're going to flash forward like three years. Uh -huh. He's in France. To get his PhD in literature. Okay. Okay. While he he talks to people, he's done interviews. He's done interviews in like Vanity Fair. Like this okay. guy, this guy, like he talks about his experience. So he's very vocal now. He's very vocal now about it. But in in seventy seven, when he was twenty seven years old, mm -hmm. he was in France, and he said every night he would buy a prostitute with the intent of killing them, but for some reason he always froze up and he just could never do it. Okay. Okay. So, he goes about this half-assed. <laughs> no, full pun intended. Full pun intended. He goes He goes about it real half-assed for a long time. Uh, he's, he's a very timid person by all accounts. He's a very yeah. meek and timid person. Very into literature. Very quiet. You know. Very, not a you good know, cannibal. Not a good cannibal. He's not a very forward cannibal. He's not putting ads in newspapers. He's not really seeking people out. He's really trying to be very sneaky about it. Well, so he needs to be part of a cannibal cult. Yeah. That, or know, be like that guy that just put an ad in the newspaper and was yeah, like, hey, hey who if wants you want to me die? to eat you, yeah. who would like to die? It, you know, yeah. if you would like to die, I will kill you and eat you. And eat you. Win win. I get to eat you, you get to die. Right. You know, I mean, and it happened. They really, there was yeah. a person that, you know, has done that. But, uh, okay, so he goes about this, you know, he goes he goes about it and just kind of toys with it for a long time. He really does. Then, in 1981, he is now 32 years old. Uh-huh. Okay. This kind of comes full circle with the whole Paris thing and school, because when he was at school... He had a classmate named Renee Hardivlet and uh, had known this woman, you know, had been acquaintances in school enough that mm -hmm. he invites her to dinner at his apartment. Okay. Under the pretext of translating some poetry for a school assignment, because they were both, I think they both did literature, like they were both in the okay. same program. He planned to kill her and eat her. He selected her based on characteristics that he felt he lacked. She was beautiful. She was very healthy and viral. Okay. And so I think that this is kind of falling into that whole, like, 
hey, if I eat her, I'll get some of those qualities possibly. Okay. Because, like, I know there's, like, mental illnesses that kind of go along with that, like, absorption of energy or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, Well, and there's a lot of Native Americans who believe that, too. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I think, and I have no idea. Maybe I should have done a little more research about it. But, like, I think there's stuff like that in Asian culture as well. And so he has her over, says, hey, man, let's get together, do this assignment. He really is planning to kill her. He, he said that he considered himself to be weak and small. He was only about four foot nine. He was a very small person, which kind of makes sense. He was obsessed with taller women. Right. You know, it was something that he didn't have that they possessed. You know, he claimed that he wanted to absorb her energy. He wanted to take in some okay. of that, you know, hopefully make himself more confident. She was about five foot ten so especially in asia that's really tall for a woman right yeah that's very tall for a woman well i guess they were in paris but still for him to be from asia yeah she was very tall you know to be a woman and so she gets there everything's fine you know he seems pretty nice she starts reading poetry at the desk he waits until her back is turned and he shoots her in the neck with a rifle oh he finally goes through with it you know, after all this, you know, I wanted to do it and I froze and I couldn't do it. He finally decides to do it. Um, he he told everybody as soon as he shot her, he fainted, you know, at the shock uh-huh. of what he had done. And then when he woke up, he realized, okay, I've already done this. Now I have to continue on doing what I wanted to do. He sexually assaults her corpse, but he couldn't bite into her skin because his teeth weren't even sharp enough. Uh-huh. Like, he was such a small guy. Like, he was so, like, weak in his own eyes, you know, and he couldn't even bite into her flesh. So, did he envision being able to just bite, bite a piece into of her this? Off. Yeah, bite a piece of her, I guess, would, like, would be. Like, just rip a hunk of... Wow. Yeah. So, he thought that like we were lion, so... Like, Yeah. Oh. And so, he left his apartment, dead woman in the apartment, and went and bought a butcher knife. He didn't have a knife in the house. <laughs> He went and bought a butcher knife. He ate several parts of her, some of her breast, her face, put some parts in the refrigerator like they all seem to do. They have their little slices that they like right. to keep in the fridge, you know, just for a snack, I guess. He took photographs of her at each stage after he, like, cut pieces off of her. Oh, like, wow. He took, like, photographs and was, like, documenting it. He, like, it's so funny because he kind of, he would have gotten away with it. He was, like, such a non-suspect. Like, he was very small. You know, he, you know, was kind of a puny guy. They actually caught him attempting to dump her body into a lake and was arrested. Uh, When he was caught, like, he had these suitcases and she was in them. And he had been struggling with the suitcases and it was kind of suspicious. And, you know, it was kind of one of those things. And so, this guy, this Sagawa guy, he has a pretty affluent family. I mean, he went to, you know, good universities. He was very well educated. His daddy bought him a lawyer to defend Uh him, to defend him. Um, He was held for trial for two years. He was found legally insane in Paris. Uh He's insane. He's unfit to stay in trial. He ordered him indefinitely to a mental institution. Uh Uh-huh. And he then went on to be deported back to Japan. Mm-hmm. And he was committed into a psychiatric hospital there. But the psychologist there declared him sane 
and that found that his sexual perversions was the only reason that he murdered someone. And because they had dropped the charges in France, they just let him walk away. Wow. Yeah. So he got to live out his crazy, crazy fantasy of, you know, killing someone and and eating them. And he was confined for, you know, like five, six years, I think, all, all in total. He checked himself out of the mental hospital in 1986, and he has been free ever since. He just checked himself out. So first degree murder. Uh-huh. Like, he oh, been... all kinds of stuff. Like premeditated first degree murder, sexual assault, like, uh, what is it, like abuse of a corpse, you know, improperly yeah. disposing of a body. There's like, he probably had 20 counts on him. Honestly. Yeah. And so they were like, you're clearly insane. And clearly. If you and went then, back on all these others, I mean, yeah. that he was hiring yeah. these prostitutes with the intent of killing yes, them. Yes, he had, and he just couldn't get up the gumption to do it. Yeah. And then he just walks through, free after five years. Yeah. Um, he has written books about himself committing the murder. He has also... Written restaurant reviews. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. I yep. bet none of them taste as good as his. Yeah. Yeah. Now that his, uh, now that his, you know, indiscretions, I guess we'll call them, has come out, they say that, you know, it's harder for him to find gainful employment. Of course, he's like 71 years old. <laughs> but he almost got accepted to teach at a school, like... To teach French at a school because the director was so impressed with his linguistic skills Uh that they almost, even though he was a cannibal that got away with it, they almost hired him to work at a school and uh, employees protested and that was the only reason that he didn't get the job. He might eat the students. Yes. So yeah. So that is my crazy cannibal still wandering around, living around, you know, here today. Wow. Yeah. He said he said that being forced to make a living while being known as a murderer and a cannibal was punishment enough. <laughs> really? That, yeah, that he felt that he felt like it had it had cursed his life and it was you know, punishment enough. So, wow, punishment enough. Yeah. But he took her life. Yep. Took her life. You know, just for his own curiosities, basically. That he had, like, this obsession that he had harbored since he was, you know, a kid. Wow. But, yeah. Wow. And he's just walking free. That is just... That's scary. Yeah. Yeah. I guess the one comfort is that he's so old now that maybe he can't harm anybody? Maybe, but who's to say he didn't when he got out of jail? Right? He got out in 86, and he's only 71 now, so, I mean, he was a younger guy. Right. He still had a life ahead of him. Wow. So, who's to say that he didn't just get better at not being caught? (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he goes, oh, wait, this this first time it didn't work out too good. We'll try something different this time. Chop them up into smaller pieces and put them in smaller suitcases. That's right. (laughs) Pump a little iron before you lift the suitcases so you don't look so awkward carrying around suitcases. Right? (laughs) Wow. So, like I said, definitely not boring. Super interesting. Like, crazy to think that there's a cannibal. And, like, I feel so sorry for his family. 
Because especially in Asian culture, like, dishonor in your family is a huge thing. So, like, can you imagine just being like, oh, yeah, there's my horrible cannibal uncle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know. Oh, wow. But. Yeah. Oh. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my, that's my murder. Most insane thing I found in my recent research. Thought I'd pull it out and. Well, and it was last it was episode fun. we had cannibal cults. And yeah, this episode we have yep. a cannibal murder. That's right. There's a theme. There is a theme. <laughs> you wanted cults. Now cults, you want cannibals. cannibals. I'm interested in all of it. Lisa, <laughs> where are we going next? <laughs> well, I'll tell you. Where I don't know. We're it's your next. turn. You tell me where we're going. <laughs> we are going to go to Wisconsin oh, next. Okay. Cheesehead. <laughs> And we are going to talk about a cryptid in Wisconsin that I find very interesting because this thing has been seen numerous times according to some people still being seen. Mm -hmm. So we don't know what it is really. Okay. Um, But we're going to talk about... The Beast of Bray Road. All right. Have you ever heard of this? Um, I've heard of it. I'm not too, like, it's a little shaky for me. But, I mean, the, the title is familiar, so. Okay. So, Bray Road is a rural road outside Elkhorn, Wisconsin. Okay. So, this is a royal, rural. R- I have problems with that word, too. Rural. 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 The rural area. Raul. It's a Raul area. It's a rural area that borders northern Illinois. So, uh, being rural, there's a lot of farms and fields and wooded areas. And there's even a state park in that area and stuff. So, it's named Bray Road because the Bray family had, and they may still have, a dairy farm. Oh, okay. There. So it and was so, that big place, the main yeah. place there. So okay. there's like yeah. a road that goes to this dairy farm, and so they Named called after it them. Bray Road yeah. and stuff. So there's not like a lot there. Yeah. <laughs> Bunch of cows. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so the first documented sign of this beast was in 1936. And I thought this was really interesting because it kind of really started this whole thing. And it was interesting because of the history. This guy, Mark Shackleman, Uh claimed to have seen and talked to a half-wolf, half-man creature east of Jefferson, Wisconsin, along Highway 18. So this was in that area. Yeah. He stated that he was driving down the road and saw the beast digging in an old Indian mound. Oh, okay. He described the creature as being covered with hair, over six feet tall, with a muzzle face, and features of a canine and an ape. Oh, okay. So, kind of apish, but kind of canine-ish. So, kind of almost what you would think of, like a werewolf. Like a lichen. Yeah. Yeah, because... You would think of it as covered I thought with... lichen, yeah. Yeah. Lichen, yeah. So, he stated the hands were twisted with the thumb and only three fingers. Okay. Which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. And that the creature smelled like rotted meat. Okay. The creature was still there the next day, and it only spoke 
one three-syllable word that sounded like Gadara. Gadara. Okay, so I found this little blurb on uh -huh. one site. Well, then on another site that I was looking at, I found a little bit more to this story that was by his son. Mm -hmm. And his son kind of built this up a little bit that he was actually, Mr. Shackleman worked at this Catholic, okay, so Mr. Shackleman was, he was working as like a night security man at this Catholic church. Um, and he had been driving home mm -hmm. and it was like, he worked overnight. So it was like early morning type yeah. thing. And he saw this thing oh, okay. at this Indian burial yeah. mound. So the next night after doing his rounds and stuff and everything seemed to be okay, he decided to walk back out there to where he had seen this thing. Because oh. it was out, it wasn't far from where mm -hmm. this church was. It was on the church property. Yeah. So he decided to walk out there. So he walked out there and what... His son says that his dad had walked out there and saw this thing and just kind of stared at it. And the thing turned and it says what sounded like Gadara. Mm -hmm. Okay, so in doing research, I found that Gadara is an ancient city of city in Palestine, ancient Palestine city that it's archaeological remains. You can't tell that I've spoke I've been talking all the time. <laughs> it's archaeological remains include three large theaters, a basilica, a temple, and a colonnade street. So it's Big. just got yeah, yeah, but it's just got a few, few things. like yeah. things that remain. Um and there's some that believe that this is the site where in the Bible Jesus drove out the demons of the possessed man that went into the herd of pigs that oh, went over okay. the cliff. Oh, okay, yeah. So, because it's up and it's in that same area. Yeah. And sent them over the cliff that's situated high above the Sea of Galilee. That, it has the same name, Gadara. Yeah, Gadara, okay. So, this caused some to believe that the Beast of Bray Road is saying that it is a demon or is possessed by a demon. Oh. Okay. Um, okay. So from this guy that works in this Catholic church that is highly religious. Yes. That's reporting one of the first sight yes. sightings. And remember, this is in like 1936. Yeah. So one of the things that I wanted to point out is first off, this man, he's alone. Mm -hmm. Nobody else had the sighting with him. Okay. He no goes out there, right? Yeah, he's highly religious. So what he's hearing is what makes sense in his mind. Uh huh. Exactly. So is it possible that this is something like when you know when we're playing with our dogs and we're trying to teach our dogs to say things and what we hear you make them you say, think like they, yeah. I love you yeah. from what their their noises are. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Did it just growl? And what he it sounded heard, like that 
something that struck Gadara. Him. Yeah, Gadara. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and so that's what he made sense, and so that's what he reported. Okay, so who knows? Exactly, right? So that was in 1936. So whatever happened to him, he really didn't talk about it. Um, he, he told his family. He might have told a few other people, but everybody that he told kept quiet. Okay. This was not talked about. It was not documented. We weren't getting um, attention. Like right. Wasn't, yeah. So the next documentation of this beast isn't until 1964. Okay. When, so a whole generation later. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Dennis Fulis saw the beast in Harvard, Illinois. And this is like just across that border. So it's uh, within so it's right just there. a few miles yeah. there. Around midnight while driving home from work, he was driving on Highway 89 from Highway 14 when his headlights illuminated a strange creature running across the road. He described it as dark brown and weighing 400 to 500 pounds with a height of 7 to 8 feet tall. The beast ran across the road and jumped a fence where Fulis lost sight of it. The next day, the only evidence was corn pushed down where the creature had ducked into the field. Oh, wow. So, and you know, corn and stuff. Yeah. It takes quite a quite lot a, to quite push a bit it of down. To push it to so stay that down. you can, yeah. Yeah. So that you, it's evident that something, something was there. there. Yeah. So, um,. Again, this is a man driving home late at night, sees something yeah. crossing the road. And again, there's a long break of almost 10 years before another documented sighting. And of course, this is all back before the internet. This is yeah. back before any of this. So any these are just... easy communication. Right. Yeah, yeah. So in 1972... A woman called the police to report an attempted break-in by a large intruder. The woman reported it was an unknown animal that was large and tried to enter her house through the door. She reported the beast returned and injured her farm animals, inflicting deep wounds. The only evidence was a fingerprint that measured over 12 inches in length. My goodness. So, that was it. Huh. That's so crazy. After that, the sighting started to pick up. In the 1980s and 1990s, there were stories picked up by a reporter named Linda Godfrey. So, Miss Godfrey stated that at first, she thought this was just going to be a fun little piece to show on a slow news day. However, after her report, she continued to get a lot of other reports. So, she has written several books and has a blog uh, about the cryptid sightings and stuff. And she continues to write about these. Wow, um, awesome. I actually read a bunch of stuff. And, I mean, it goes for years My on her goodness. blog. Wow. That's pretty impressive. So, in the fall of 1989, Lori and Drizzy was driving along Bray Road when she saw what she thought was a man kneeling or hunched along the side of the road. 
So this is where we start to get more of what we think of as this thing. Oh, okay. So those early sightings, this is just kind of looking at, okay, this goes back, back this many, far, many yeah. years. But this is where what we know of as the Beast of Bray Road yeah. and stuff. So it looked like the figure of a man kneeling or hunched along the side of the road. She slowed down to get a look at this thing and saw a creature that was gray, grayish brown, okay. um, covered in fur. It had fangs and pointed ears. Um, she said it had the face of a wolf and yellow eyes that glowed even though her headlights were not pointing at them because she was oh, coming okay. at it like this oh, and so it was it pointing still, this way and she could still, still see, see the eyes ice. were glowing its arms were jointed like a human's and it seemed to hold its food in its palms like a human its hands were human-like but had long claws and she did not see a tail but said its back legs were bent similar to a human's oh okay so it looked similar to a human just covered in fur, fur. and looked like a wolf face okay. with glowing eyes. Yeah. Huh. So September 1989, Scott Bray saw a strange looking dog in his pasture near Bray Road. So Scott Bray um, owns yeah. that okay. dairy yeah. farm. He described the creature as larger and taller than the German Shepherd with pointy ears, hair-covered tail, and gray and black fur. So this is kind of similar, similar. to yeah, what similar. Lori had saw. Yeah. The beast was bulkier in the front with a strong chest, and he tried to follow the creature but soon lost sight of it, but did find huge footprints that it left behind. Wow. So, and this is all in that same area. Yeah. And then in September, October 1989, Russell Guest reported seeing a large beast emerge from an overgrowth area a few blocks away from Bray Road. So this sight happened around the same time as Scott Bray's sighting okay. and not far from the Bray Farm. Guest said that the beast was walking on its hind legs when it emerged from the brush. Okay. But it was walking on its hind legs. It took a couple of wobbly steps forward, and then guests turned around and ran hmm. because it came out of the brush on two legs, kind yeah. of wobbled forward. He took off running. He looked over its shoulder and saw that the beast had gotten down on all fours but didn't chase him, and it's it was just like standing there. Yeah. He stopped and he turned around and watched the beast as it turned around and went back toward Bray Road. Guest said the beast was black and gray, was about five feet tall when standing on all four legs. So when standing on all four legs, it was about as tall oh, as me. I'm yeah. five one. My goodness. So standing on all fours, it, it was, was really, almost really... as tall as me. Yeah. Wow. That's scary. That's very scary. <laughs> He believed it was a wolf-dog hybrid because its features were mostly canine. Okay. So then in 1990, so still around that same, same time, time, Mike Etten was driving and spotted a large dog that he described as much larger than the domesticated canine, 
sitting like a raccoon, using its front paws to hold food and to eat. And this was at the intersection of Bray Road and Hospital Road. Okay. So you know how a raccoon yeah. will hold, hold its, food. In yeah. its front paws. Yeah. And eat it. Dogs huh. can't, can't do that. Do that. Yeah. They can't hold their food in their front paws. Yeah, exactly. 1990, Heather Bowie was 11 years old. And she was on her way home from sledding with her friends during Christmas break. Okay. She was a mile and a half south of Bray Road when she saw a large dog walking across a creek in a cornfield. She assumed it was a dog. She and her friends called to it, and the creature turned and looked at them. It was then that it stood up on its hind legs and took a few steps in their direction, and then dropped down on all fours and charged at them. Oh. Heather claimed the dog leaped higher than a regular dog, and she and her friends took off. She stated the beast followed them about halfway to her home, which was about 250 yards away. So they weren't very far from home. And then the beast veered off. Oh, So man. it just kind of, almost like teasing them. Like, yeah, just trying to get, a, yeah. get away from me, kind of. Right. Yeah. 1999. So, again, we go nine years. Okay. Doris Dean Gibson was driving on Bray Road on Halloween. She approached Hospital Road intersection. So you remember earlier... Mike Etten had seen it on Bray Road and the Hospital, hospital Road, Road. Yeah. intersection. So she was approaching the Hospital Road intersection when she reported her right tire was jolted like it was lifted off the ground, like it rolled over something big. Uh -huh. um, like she yeah. was like driving along and all of a sudden went over something, something really, really big. big. She stopped her car and got out to see what she had hit and saw a large, hairy figure moving quickly toward her. She got into her car, and as she pulled away, the beast leapt on her trunk, but couldn't get a grip on her trunk, and so it slid off of her car. She returned later that night with a friend and saw a large form in the road, but she didn't yeah. stay, like they didn't stay yeah. to Check see it out. what yeah. was going on. Linda Godfrey's blog states that there are still many reports and many sightings mm -hmm. on Bray Road and in that area huh. of this beast. Yeah. I went through some more, but there were just way too, too many much. to continue yeah. to document. Yeah. So, what is this beast on Bray Road? It has been described as humanoid with canine-like features. From the description, it seems like a very large dog or wolf that acts human-like. And this would seem kind of like a werewolf-type situation. Yeah. The beast has been labeled a Bigfoot, a werewolf, an indigenous dogman. Cryptozoologists hold that it's likely a Bigfoot sighting. Okay. So they think this is a Bigfoot that lives around that area. Yeah. But local folklore says that it's a werewolf. Hmm, yeah, that makes sense. So, some say it's an escaped pet wolf, a large feral dog, a bear, or other creature that's known to exist. Yeah. So, a lot of people say, oh, there's a logical this. explanation. Yeah. So, when you look at this, 
this has been happening for years and years and years and years and years. Yeah, a long time. So, since the 30s. Yeah. Whatever this thing is, it has to be something that lives in that area mm-hmm. that can multiply. Yeah. That, yeah. you know, so local folklore of a werewolf. Yeah. Unless this werewolf is like, I mean, something that never dies. Is yeah, immortal, exactly. Yeah. Then... I don't see how that could be possible uh-huh. unless there's like, I mean, I don't know, a pack of werewolves in the area. Is I that mean, really I a guess. Thing, though? I mean, do you hear I, about packs of werewolves though? Yes, I packs mean, of wolves. Yes, packs of werewolves though. Well, I mean, if you believe things that you read, if you, I mean, the books that I read, yeah. Well, yeah. But well. usually they don't. Yeah. Act like this. I mean, no. they run in packs. They yeah. they are human most of the time and yeah. they don't Yeah, exactly. So this just seems weird. Bigfoot, okay, Bigfoot in order for there to be so many sightings of Bigfoot everywhere, you know. Yeah. There would have to be families of Bigfoot. Yeah. Multiple big, big feet. feet. Big feet. Yes. Is that how you would say that? Yes. <laughs> that would have to be breeding, and therefore, you know, that would say, okay, there could be a family of these. Yeah. A pack or pod or... Swarm or... <laughs> whatever those are, would be called. Feet. <laughs> um, living in this area. So, okay, so you could have multiple sightings throughout... Yeah. These different years, and it could be different ones. So, a large dog or something doesn't really make sense because a large dog escaped pet that's yeah, that big, big that you see this many years. years that, yeah. Yeah, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, but a bear, it yeah. does. I mean, I could see this, a bear being mistaken for something like this. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was thinking the whole time. Yeah. So, other explanations is mistaken observation, panic, exaggeration, yeah. hallucination, or prank. Yeah, could be. So, I mean, if you have people, and that, that could be, you know, why there's so many years in between. If you have somebody who's on drugs or drinking and... You know, you have these local stories, and then they see something, a bear, a wolf, coyote, something. Yeah, yeah, and then so, they're something just like, like that. And they see something, and then they exaggerate, they hallucinate that this thing is bigger, and that all this happens. Yeah, yeah. Or they just like, want a really good story a good to tell. Story, and if you hear somebody talking about it, then other people start talking about it. And, and then the next thing you know, it's blown up, and all this crazy stuff yeah, is happening. Exactly. Yeah, Um. So, those who believe say that it's not actually a werewolf, but a cryptoid. Some say that it's a scump skunk ape which is the much smaller cousin of the bigfoot these generally live in the florida area they live in the more marshy swampy areas where there isn't the big forest trees yeah. larger areas for them to grow yeah. as big and hide uh, yeah. 
and stuff, so they're a little bit smaller. A Wahila, which is a large wolf bear creature. Okay. Or a Shunka Warakin. A Shunka Warakin. Okay. Which is a hyena-like creature in Native American lore. Okay. So it's possible that this is a new species of animal that hasn't been studied. Something that's not native to the um, area that's been brought in and released. Something that's been brought in and released and has mated with local things things and kind of intermixed a little bit. Yeah, so it's created a new creature. Yeah. Um, But whatever's going on... There hasn't been any human attacks. Yeah. Most of these things that have been sighted have been seen when driving. Yeah. Um, I did see one story of a man that talked about him and some friends that would hear things when they were fishing off of a bridge in the area. Mm-hmm. But they talked about hearing, like, thumps, things being thrown from the woods, yeah. Um, creaks, noises like brush yeah. and Rattling stuff. And, yeah. You know, your typical what you would hear people think when Bigfoot was around, but not anything that they'd seen. Yeah. So there's a lot of stories, a lot of big imaginations. Yeah. Um, a, lot. a lot of animals that live in the area yeah. that could be mistaken for something. Yeah. That's um, true. And the possibility of a cryptid maybe that okay. lives in the area or yeah. maybe a lichen that lives something. in the area or yeah. something. Definitely so, possible. Maybe huh. someday we need to take a trip to Wisconsin Dang. and well, yeah. that would you be know good. Eat some do peas. some Eat, eat some cheese and take a trip to Bray Road there and see go. if we That's can cool. meet us a furry beast. new friend. A beast? Sounds great. That sounds <laughs> but like that's the story of yeah. the Beast of Bray Road. That's awesome. That's very so. cool. And that's right. our mystery for tonight. Yep. Sounds awesome. Thank you guys very much. Yeah, Tune thank in. you. Always talk to us Facebook, Instagram, email. Don't forget our cults. Um, we're still looking yes, for cult looking stories. For cults or just, you know. Or any, any kind of story. Any kind of story. Any uh, kind. All right. That'll okay. do it. And say bye. Bye.